ahead and take a seat. The Lord just told me that the person with the arthritis in the spine is in the building. I don't know if you want to identify yourself <laughs> or not, but get up. Okay, reach out your hands to her right now. In the name of Jesus, all of that crumbling will stop. All of the, there, uh, there's like, it's like there's, I don't know if this is medically correct, but what I'm seeing is between each vertebrae, there's like a little cartilage or something, and it's worn away, and God, is that right? Let the power, there's oil, I see the oils of the Spirit flowing down your spine, healing you, and, uh, and you're going to be able to do this. Look at me, you're going to be able to do that, right? Okay, without pain, Lord, heal her and make her whole by a miracle in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen, amen. Oh, Lord, you took up 10 minutes of my time. <laughs> I feel funny jumping from that into this because <laughs> I feel like we should talk about the Holy Spirit or healing or prayer or something now. But we're, we're actually starting a, let's shake yourself off right? We're now moving from that section to this section. We are going to be looking at the Word of God because the Bible tells us when you gaze into the perfect law which brings you liberty. We heard earlier on about some laws in some countries of the world that don't feel like liberty. You know, like in Singapore, you're caught chewing chewing gum, and especially if you're caught spitting it out, they cane you in public, you know? It's against the law. I mean, like, try taking an American to Singapore. It's like freedom, liberty, <laughs> bang, 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 you know? And it doesn't feel like liberty. But God's laws don't bring suffocation when we gaze into God's perfect law, which brings us liberty, liberty from pain and stiffness and illness, liberty from the stuff earlier on, bitterness and jealousy and unforgiveness and issues in our life, and liberty from our own sins and our own mistakes, liberty from all that has happened to us or through us, the law brings us liberty, and God takes our feet out of the miry clay where we are sinking and sets our feet upon a rock. I live right on the Sturgeon River, and when you go out on a kayak, it looks pretty shallow. In fact, quite often, the oars actually scrape the bottom of the river, and it looks like gravel. I mean, like the top layer is gravel. And you think, oh, I can stand on that. But if you get out the kayak and you stand on it, you sink up to here, I know from experience, you sink up to here in miry clay. When you get out, it looks like you've been in oil. It's like an oil slick that's on you. And trying to get out is really hard. It's like quicksand. It's like you're shouting for your mammy to come and help you, you know. Somebody rescue me. I'm sinking. And, and you finally get out of it. It looks solid, but it's not. 
And very often in our lives, we embark on projects, on a career, on we move to a new area, we start a family. There are so many things in our life that our journeys that we go on, they, they are things that we begin, and once we've begun them, you can't just, you know, it's like, you know, um, we're going to start a family. Well, once the babies arrive, you can't say, right, I've changed my mind. Can we put them back? That doesn't work. You've got them now forever. So, and, and like they never leave home. So you've got them for quite a long time. And, uh, and very often we embark on a journey and before we know it, we find that the path that we are on is sinking sand. It's miry clay. We sink. We feel trapped. We can feel stuck in life. Anybody ever had that feeling in life, in a relationship, in a career, in, in your faith, in some area of life where you feel like, I've got stuck. I'm stuck. I can't get out. Uh, I, I used to be making progress, and then something happened, and now I'm stuck, and I can't get out. Well, the good news is that God, His perfect love brings liberty. It sets you free. God lifts, when we get ourselves into a predicament, God lifts us up out of it, cleans us down, and sets our feet on a rock. And He gives us the guidance to continue with our journey through life. Today, we're beginning a three-part message series called Success in Life Through Faith in Christ. Now, I have deliberately picked a title that I know will irritate some people um, be, uh, in the hope that it might get their attention, and also partly because I seem to get some perverse kick out of irritating people as well, so especially religious ones. So, the, <clears throat> I know that it's a success in life through faith in Christ. That sounds blasphemous. Faith in Christ is about us becoming holy, about us becoming spiritual. It's not about us becoming successful. Okay, well, that all depends in what image came to your mind when I said the word success. When I say the word success, does the image that comes to your mind, is that the image that the secular world would call success? Is that, have, is that being a multimillionaire? Is it having 10 fancy cars? Is it living in a mansion? Is it having a million followers on Instagram? Is it fame and fortune and material possessions? Is that what you think about when you think about the word success? Because if it is, that's not success in life through faith in Christ. That's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about being successful in life, a success, listen, if, if God has gifted you and created you and wired you together and designed you to be one of the best kindergarten teachers in the entire planet, but you know there's not a lot of money in that, and so you're off here trying to be the CEO of Amway or something like that. 
you're going to find that your skill set doesn't match over here. Why are you doing this? Because somebody else told me that they got rich doing this. Maybe they were designed to do that. But if you're pursuing outward, secular, worldly success, you will be frustrated, you will be unfulfilled, you will not be very good at it. Like the illustration, I've used this illustration here before. If I thought that being successful, if I idolized the Harlem Globetrotters, and if I thought being successful was becoming a Harlem Globetrotter, and I am now going to dedicate my life to becoming a Harlem Globetrotter, even though I'm too old, I'm too unfit, I'm too short, and I'm too white to ever be a Harlem Globetrotter, then I am setting myself up for a life of disappointment and failure and frustration, okay? Success in life is discovering who God made you to be and what path God is calling you to go down. And when you do that, you know that you know the uh, you know the, in, in the Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd; He leads me in paths of righteousness. It says in the King James. I like the way the New Living Translation puts it: He leads me down the right path for my life bringing glory to His name. The right path for my life might not be the right path for your life. God's called me to be the lead pastor of Gateway Alliance Church. He's not called you to be the lead pastor of Gateway Alliance Church. If you try to become the lead pastor of Gateway Alliance Church, we have a little problem outside after the service, okay? So, uh, don't try and be me, and I won't try and be you. You be the best you you can possibly be, and I'll be the best me I can possibly be. And if we do it to glorify God, then we will be fulfilled, and we will fulfill our purpose. And so we're talking about success in life through faith in Christ. So before we even do anything else, because The two things we're going to look at today is discover and decide. Before we do that, we need to ask the question, is success okay for Christians? Is it sinful to have an ambition, to be ambitious? Should Christians set goals or should we just trust the Lord, right? So these are some questions. So just to just to answer these, let's go to Jeremiah 29, first of all. You know it well. It's a very well-known passage of Scripture. I alone know the plans I have for you. God has a plan for your life, and it's not to make you miserable, okay? I alone know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to bring you prosperity. I'll take it. If you don't want yours, I'll have yours as well, okay? Plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster. Plans, I love the way it's worded. This is a good news translation. Plans to bring about the future you hope The King James says, plans to give you a hope and a future. Or this translation puts it this way, plans to bring about the future that you hope for. If you've got no hope in your mind, in your life, 
then you've got nothing to aim for. God has plans for you, and God's plans are good, okay? And then look at this, uh, Philippians 2, 3. He says, instead of being motivated by selfish ambition, so there is a kind of ambition that's not good for Christians, selfish ambition. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, in humility, be, uh, where are we? In humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. It would be good to be successful at doing that, wouldn't it? Look, look at the next verses. Just look at this. Romans 15, 20. Paul says, my ambition has always been, oh, the apostle Paul had an ambition, but it wasn't a selfish ambition. It was a good ambition. It was a godly ambition. My ambition has always been to proclaim the good news in places where Christ has not been heard of so as not to build on the foundation of someone else, laid by someone else. And then in 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells us to have an ambition. He says, make it your goal. He's saying, set goals in your life. Make it your goal, and this is a good goal to set. The world would be a better place if we all set this goal. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own stinking business, and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. You see, there can be good ambitions and there can be bad ambitions. And so, you can be, I mean, like, if you're a successful pornographer, that is not a good thing for a Christian, okay? You can, if you're a successful bank robber, maybe you need to, like, get your life sorted out with God today. But if you're a successful prayer warrior, that's a good thing. If you're a successful parent, isn't that good? And so there are things that we should have ambitions about, we should set goals in, we want to be successful in, and that is all good and well. But my two words today are discover and decide. And that is because, here is a sentence we need to know, First, you need to discover who you are, that is your identity, before you then decide what you want. Lots of people decide what they want to do with their life before they even know who they are. Oh, I want to do this or I want to do that. I want to start my own business. I want to become a doctor. And there's, and there's people who, there are other people who are pursuing a course that their parents want them to pursue. Well, we want our first child to be a doctor and our second one to be a lawyer and our third one to be a priest. That was quite common in Catholic churches, I remember back. You know, somebody in the family had to become a priest. That would get the whole family into heaven, you know? So, um, there was, and people that, there are people who pursue their parents' desires for their career choice and so on. Listen, before you decide what you want in life, what, wh where you're going to live, what you're going to do, uh, 
Yes, you're a Christian. Yes, your faith comes first. Yes, God is first place in your life. But honestly, unless you're a pastor or a missionary or a prophet or something like that, unless your career is involved in the church, you will probably be doing more non-church things throughout the week than church things. And God is involved in all of life. And He wants to be involved in your career, in your family, in your relationships, in your finances, in your business, whatever it may be, God wants to be involved in all of your life. He is involved in all of your life, whether you actually acknowledge that and are aware of it or not. So, can I encourage you not to choose a path in life what you want, I want this, and I want a business, and I want, or I want this job, or I want this kind of family, or I want to live in this kind of place. Don't decide what you want before you know who you are. If God has created you to be a hammer, and you're trying to be a screwdriver, it's not good. Now, all of us know that when you're short of tools, you can sometimes use a screwdriver as a hammer, and you can sometimes use a hammer as anything. I had a friend when I was at college whose car was always breaking down, always breaking down. And what, it would break down, and I would say, what's going on? He would say, don't worry. And he would pull a hammer out of his seat, and he would open up the hood, and he would just go bang, 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 bang. And he would shout, try it now. <clears throat> it would start up again. It was a good short-term measure, a quick cure, but like long-term, it was not good. Use it. He didn't need a hammer. He needed a mechanic. That was what he needed, right? Sometimes we can all do things that are not in our comfort zone, and God will bless us, and God will use us, and sometimes we just have to do something. But if you're trying to be a hammer when you're a screwdriver or vice versa, it's not good. If you're trying to be a business person when God's called you to be a homemaker, if you're trying to be a homemaker when God's called you to be a pastor, if you're trying to be what somebody is, if you don't know who God made you to be, you'll try to be somebody else. So let's just have a look at this. First, discover who you are. First, discover who you are. I want to look at Romans chapter 12 here. And this is a very well-known passage of Scripture, but I want us just to look at it. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Because Christ gave His all for you, you should give your all for Him. Okay? Not to earn your salvation. It's a free gift of grace. But out of gratitude that He saved you, that He changed you, that He redeemed you, that He brought you into His family, what else are you going to do now than follow Him and glorify Him? It says, let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So the first thing we need to do, this message, this message that I'm sharing today about how to find success in life through faith in Christ and specifically how to discover who you are and then decide what you want, 
This message is not for the lazy Christians, the lukewarm Christians, the I-can't-be-bothered-doing-anything-with-my-life Christians. This isn't for the ones that I'm saved but by the skin of my teeth. This is for the people who are saying, I want to live for God. I want to give my heart. Listen, you're not going to get God to bless your life and guide your life when He has put all of the blessings that you will have in life upon a down a particular path. But instead of walking down that path, you're away over here. You're away over here doing your own thing. You know, I can't sing. I'm not very musical, but I really want to win America's Got Talent, and that's what I want to do. And, I, and, and God is saying, I've got a different path for you. It's over there. Why doesn't God bless me? Because all the blessings are on the path that you should be going down. It's like, you know, that game that you give to little kids that you put the triangle in there and the square in there and the circle in there, and you, it's to teach the kids what the, the shapes are. If you're trying to shove yourself into a space that doesn't suit you, you will never experience fulfillment or God's blessings. Look, give your whole life to God. Be dead. This message is for the people that really want to go for God in life, okay? And then he says, after you've done that with your body, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You know, when you come to Christ, you are born again. Your spirit is made new. But all you have to do is stand in front of the mirror and realize you've got the same old body that you ever had. And all you have to do is get caught, somebody cut you off in traffic and you find out you've got the same old mind you always had. Your spirit has been re reborn. Oh, you're in love with God, but you're just as cranky and negative up there as you ever were before. You need to begin. You see, your spirit is reborn. In an instant, your mind is renewed throughout your life, and one day your body will be resurrected when Jesus returns. But the battle that we have is the battle in our mind. And he's saying here, don't think the way the people in the world think. When I'm talking about success in life, don't think about some advert that you saw on social media about sign up for my course and you'll become a gazillionaire by next Tuesday. That's not what I'm talking about by success in life, okay? Change the way you think. You will be successful whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you've got a fancy car or, an, or no car at all, you will be successful when you know who you are, who God has made you to be, 
and you are in the place that you are supposed to be, doing the things that you are supposed to do, you will thrive. You will feel fulfilled. You will bear fruit. You will be a blessing to others. You will feel enriched in a way that material possessions would never provide. But hey, See when, you're, see when you, you go where God guides. He also provides. The provision will come as well. And so we need to change the way we think. Now look at this. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Knowing God's will for your life is something you need to learn. There's a learning process involved in it. And he says, if you will dedicate your whole self to God, and if you will begin to take captive those negative and destructive strongholds in your mind, and those sinful and selfish and secular ways of thinking, and you will renew your mind and change the way you think, that will start the process of beginning to learn what God's will for your life is. And then he goes on and tells us how we discover that. He says, um, you will learn what God's will for you, to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and per you're going to enjoy it. God's will for you isn't, oh, look at little Johnny there. Yeah, if only he knew what I've got in store for him. I'm going to make him suffer big time. That's not God's will. God is saying, look at little Johnny there. He's going right down the wrong path for his life. I'm going to begin to speak to his heart, and I'm going to send people his way to give him advice and steer him onto the right path, because when he gets into my will, he will discover that it's good. It's actually pleasing. There is pleasure in being in the will of God. Okay, let's read on, and he says, here's how you do it. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourself, don't think you are better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourself. So he's saying here that one of the ways that you begin to learn God's will for your life, I'm giving my whole life to you. I'm changing the way I think. I'm going to stop thinking like the world, and I'm going to fill my mind with the promises of Scripture, and I'm going to change the way I think. And now I am going to honestly evaluate myself. What am I good at? what am I bad at? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What makes me come alive and what makes my heart sink to my boots? What do, do I do that blesses other people and what do I do that irritates other people? And once you begin to make an honest evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you, you then discover that you're a 
you're designed in a particular way. Just like your foot is designed for walking and your hands are designed for picking things up, your eyes are designed for seeing and your ears are designed for hearing, so you will realize that just like a human body, every single Christian is unique, is different, has their own spiritual DNA, their own spiritual fingerprint on them, that they have been designed in a specific way as a specific person to do a specific thing, and just like, I, I, I don't know, should I try this? I could walk in my hands, right? <laughs> that wasn't good. Let's try it again. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> right. I can't do it for long. If I needed to walk in my hands, I could do it for a few steps, but I can walk in my feet all the time. If God has made you hands and you idolize somebody who he has made to be feet, stop trying to walk in your hands. Learn to pick things up. Discover who you are. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is in Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Let's read on. He says, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as you have. And if He hasn't given you that gift, keep the old mouth shut, you know? So I want to prophesy. Yeah, but you don't have it, so just zip it. So, then if your gift is serving others, serve them well. I want you to notice the descriptions here. Not serve them reluctantly, out of a sense of religious duty and obligation. Serve them well. He says, if you're a teacher, teach well. Well, that lets me know that it's possible to teach bad if he tells you to teach well. So, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Don't be like me. I've got this thing where, um, you know, someone walks in and I, I think, oh, that's a new haircut they've got. It's very nice. Or, oh, that was really great that what they did and so on. And I think it all in my head and never actually say it out loud. And the people are, and so I have good feelings towards people, but they don't know it. They don't know it. And he's saying, if, you're, if you've got encouragement in there, be encouraging, right? Do it. If it is giving, give stingily. And is that what he says? What have we to give? We have to give. And you can do so at the end of the service. We will show you on the screen. If God has given you leadership ability, take your responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And so he's saying here that, that one of the ways that we discover what God's will for our life is, is by discovering how God has made us, who we are, how we've been gifted, how we're different from other people. When we discover who we are, that helps us discover God's will for our life. And when we're in God's will for our life, it's good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It's the best life. You can't come up with a better plan for your life than God has already come up with. 
Okay? And it's perfect. And so, first, discover who you are. First, say that with me. First, discover who you are. And I mean, there's a whole list of things. Your place in creation, discover who you are. So, for instance, in creation, you know, in the beginning, God created in the heavens and the earth, and God created man in His image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Right. So, where do I fit in creation? Well, I'm a male. I'm not a female. I will never give birth to a baby. Thank God for that. I will never do it. I only had to see that one time and say, and I understood the prayer. The Pharisees used to have a prayer. Oh, dear Lord. I mean, it sounds, re it sounds really rude, but this was our prayer. Oh, dear Lord, I thank you that you did not make me a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. That was our prayer. <laughs> I mean, you can see why Jesus wasn't a big fan of them, you know. They had all of these issues. But actually, after seeing a baby bo getting born, I understood that prayer. Thank you, Lord. That and no matter how much I want to give birth to a baby, I, I don't, but no matter how much I would want to, it will never happen. I have not been designed by God to give birth to babies. Now, I've fathered a few. I was designed to do that, and I've managed to do that. I need to accept my place in God's creation. Secondly, I need to know my identity in Christ. I'm a new creation. My sins are forgiven. They're washed away. I'm born again. I'm now a child of God. God is my Father, and I'm His child. I, I'm a new person. I need to discover my shape. There's, I've done whole messages and even series on that, so you could find them on uh, on. Uh, YouTube, I'm sure, but your shape is your spiritual gifts, your heart passion, your abilities, the things that you're good at, the per your personality type, what kind of person you are, and the experiences that you've had in life. All of that together, God creates you a certain way. He drops certain gifts into your life. He providentially arranges certain experiences that you will go through and certain skills that you will pick up. And all of that is God's molding process of shaping you into the unique person He intends you to be. When you know your shape, when you know your gifts, when you know who you are, it's really easy to discover your purpose, what I'm here to do, right? So, um, I, if, if, if I, went, I went into the cupboard today and I got these shoes out, I didn't say to myself, what am I supposed to do with these shoes? Am I supposed to stick them onto my ears? Am I supposed to tie the laces together and wrap them around my neck like a big necklace? No, the shoes are quite clearly shaped to fit my feet. And when I put my feet into the shoes, rather than stick the shoes on my ears or put them on my hands, life goes better because I am I know that my feet were shaped a certain way, and I know that these shoes were shaped a certain way, and I know that my feet fit into these shoes. When you know who you are, you know whether you fit into a place 
or you don't. You know whether you fit in with a relationship or with a career path or a job or whatever it may be. You know I fit like a hand in a glove, like a foot in a shoe. I fit. I was shaped for this, and this was shaped for me. And that's how you discover your purpose in life. Not your tasks, but your purpose. And once you know that, then you get to choose where you fit. It's really easy because it's more like an aha moment. Aha! That's what God intended. I am the perfect fit. The little triangle is going into the triangle. The little square is going into the square. I'm going to give up trying to win American Idol or join the Harlem Globetrotters because I wasn't designed to do either of those. Now I know who I am. I know what I was made to do. First, discover who you are and then decide what you want. Once you know who you are, then you can match your wants to your purpose. It's kind of like, I want this, and I want that, and I want the next thing. Okay, I'll give you an example. I've been trying to talk my wife into us getting a, a four, four laying hens. Four laying hens and a beehive. I think it would be great. However, we do not have an acreage. We have a very small backyard. Like I said, it's right on the river. Coyotes are in the backyard all the time. In fact, the previous dog got caught by the throat by a coyote. So, I mean, it's like, so she's saying to me, right, I want you to watch this documentary about how hard it is to look after bees, right? And all of that. And honestly, I would like it. I see other people with hens and eggs and I, I've got a neighbor that's got two beehives, beehives, and it looks like the lovely idealistic life. But I've got a little tiny backyard. I've got coyotes. I've already got one dog, three cats, and two chinchillas in the house. It's not like we need any more animals. And then I see my lifestyle and this backyard was not designed for bees and hens, okay? It was designed for a barbecue. That's it. That's what it was. And so I, so I need to say, I want hens and I want bees, but they don't actually match my life. So it would, it would become a burden rather than a blessing. Make a list of all the options that match you. Carefully and prayerfully imagine and investigate what each of those options would look and feel like for you. Choose the one which is the best fit, but investigate all possibilities first so you know for sure. You know, when we were coming to Gateway, God gave us dreams. He gave us dreams about the city of Edmonton, West Ed Mall, about the name of the church. He gave uh, leaders in the church dreams about who their new pastor would be and what my name would be and what my family would be like. It was pretty clear. But there was actually two other churches that offered me a position as well, one in the UK and one in the United States, at the same time that Gateway did. And I said, Lord, just tell me which one it is. And you know what he said to me? I know which one it is, 
But you need to investigate all three of them. Because if you don't, if I just show you which one it is, when, when the going gets tough, you're going to say, maybe I should have went to Santa Cruz, California instead. So I investigated it. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. My, my foot would never fit in that shoe. And my foot would never fit in that shoe, but my foot fit perfectly in this shoe. You see? So, you investigate everything and you say, that's not me, that's not me. I would, I would like to live in Santa Cruz and go surfing, but that's not me. I would like chickens and beehives, but honestly, that's not me. But this is me. And now that I know that this is me, this is who I am, this is where I fit, all of a sudden my life feels secure and it feels like it's flourishing and it feels like it's growing. Right, okay. Let's just close with this. Two questions. What if you want something that you can't get, that you're not suited for, that's not right for you? Or what if you've already started out down a path in life and you realize, I'm not suited to that? Well, let's just have a, let's have a look at this. We're going to Isaiah. Let's look at Isaiah. The Lord, you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Yeah, you see, I want to be a, I want to win American Idol. I don't care if I can't sing and play the guitar. I want to. I want it. I want it. I want it. Shall what is formed said to the one who formed me, you didn't make me. You know nothing, right? God is the potter and you're the clay. You might want, want, want something, but you don't get to decide who you are. God decides who you are. He's the creator and you're the creation. He is molding you and he chose who you would be. And you will never be happy until you accept that. Okay, what if you've already started down the, down the wrong path? And you're thinking, I don't know now. Like, this job isn't me. I've got into it and I don't like it and it's draining the energy out and it's making me a worse Christian and it's not blessing me and I'm not blessing other people. Is it too late? Have I gone down the wrong path? Well, look what Jeremiah says. He says this, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he hoped. So he crushed it down again. Sometimes realizing that you're in the wrong place, that you don't fit, is a crushing experience. But it's better to have a short crushing experience and to be shaped into the right thing. Look. It said there, so he crushed it into a lump of clay again, and what do the next two words say? Say it again. What did God do? And so if there's something wrong with your life, if you are misshapen, if you don't fit where you are, God can start you over started over. Then the Lord gave me this message. Oh, Israel, 
Can I not do to you as this potter has done to the clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. I want us to pray. I want us to ask God, the potter, to take our lives as we present them as a living sacrifice to Him and to mold us, not into what we want, but into what He wants. And when we submit to the potter and He molds us into the shape that He intends for us, we will find that that is good and it is pleasing and it is the perfect life when you are finally doing the thing you were always designed to do, nothing else in life feels like that. So come on, let's stand together, church. I want you just to raise your hands, close your eyes, bring your heart before God. Father, I pray for each one of us here. You are the potter and we are the clay. And we don't want to be outside of your plan, outside of your will, frustrating your plans and frustrating ourselves. We humbly submit to the potter. Take our lives, Lord. We place them in your hands. Mold us and make us, fill us and use us be glorified in us. Lead us down the right path for our, our lives, Lord, bringing glory to your name. And let's say together, here I am, Lord. Take me and make me into the person you always intended me to be. And lead me down the right path for my life. I believe it. I receive it. In the months ahead, I shall achieve it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing to the Lord, church.